What's up, everybody? It's LG said here. Today is Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. Welcome to the First Minute Podcast, where I talk about marketplace trends, big sales, and everything going on in the world of sports and NFTs. That's right. We do other things now. We do Top Shot. We do Candy Digital. We do uh, maybe NFL, if that ever comes out, and hockey, if you know they ever do their thing, and a bunch of other sports and other cool NFTs and all that kind of stuff. Today, we got a really good show. We're going to recap the last couple of days, especially the two big drops that were yesterday, Candy and WNBA. We're going to look a little bit of NFL dapper news, and then we got a nice, juicy interview with the legendary Kylo Ren, the legendary NBA Top Shot collector that we chatted with way back in February for a show about keeping your packs unopened. Total change of topic this time. Kylo has since gone on to become this legendary NFT guru, DAO master, and he's going to be on the show to talk about what he thinks the future of DAO holds, as well as his DAO, Ape DAO. I want to remind everybody here that nothing on the show constitutes trading advice in any way, and that the show is not affiliated with NBA Top Shot, the NBA, or Dapper Labs. We just do some FlowFest stuff. We do some Candy Digital stuff. I'll probably have to change that line soon. I'm just a guy at his house who loves basketball and blockchain and other sports. This is the first mint. Right here for a Wednesday morning. Yesterday was the WNBA legendary drop on Top Shot. Many people struck out, mainly because there weren't very many moments or packs to go around. I qualified, obviously, for both cues, and I struck out both times. This was actually a really contentious drop, which is very bizarre for a legendary, even though it was WNBA. Maybe people got WNBA fatigue. It's the last one for a while, but still, a lot of people chose to sit it out or rather get in the queue, and if they got to the front of the line, decide at the last second whether they would buy or not. Either way, obviously both sold out with quite a few thousand people in each of the queues. I think the second queue had like 15 or 20,000 people, if not more. A couple hours after the the drop, there was some relatively healthy sales volume and average listing of the moments for of about $750. Over 200 moments sold in volume, which is pretty good for, for legendary drops, especially WNBA, and about 30% 32% or so on average listed for each moment. Top sales so far, and again, reminder, this is data from last night, Sue Bird, number one cereal, going for $8,500. Kalia Cooper, number three, going for just about $3,300. And then a lot of Diana Taurasi going between $1,700 and $1,900, although the price for her has gone down as of last night to settle around $1,200. Also last night, a new run it back WNBA challenge for Teresa Weatherspoon. She has this awesome buzzer beater from the 1999 playoffs that we've been waiting for a while since the run it back WNBA. So I've been waiting to see if that would actually come out as it is literally one of the best moments in WNBA history. What you got to do for this one, actually kind of interesting considering it's a showcase challenge, is you do have to collect very specific players all in the run it back set for the W which is actually a bit of a saving grace for that set because in the last couple of weeks, it had been cratering. It had gone from about like 6,500, 7,000 bucks down to below $4,500 yesterday for that entire WNBA run it back set. Even the leader of that set, Lisa Leslie, with that awesome first dunk ever in the W, down to just about $750 from the high average of $1,300 just over a month ago. But anyways, the Weatherspoon moment is coming out soon. It's going to be a vintage vibes moment. So it's going to be part of the same set as the Dwayne Wade moment and the Vince Carter moment of that same uh, vintage vibes set. 
Also tomorrow, probably very exciting, we have the end of summer 2021 set, which is marked by the archive set, the second drop, which is going to contain Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd, Dirk, Shaq, Tim Duncan, Vince Carter, a lot of those players that we've already seen it run it back, having moments both from 2005, 2006, and 2013, 2014. Not sure yet which players are from which. However, we are going to get some top shot debuts of some other legends. Most of them looking like they're going to be 2005, 06. Luke Walton, Steve Francis, Marcus Camby, and Kenyon Martin, to name a few. Also, a first for Top Shot, or a first in almost a year, certain collectors will be able to buy up to three packs in that queue. You probably heard that news by now, but if you have a 3,000 collector score, you get to buy up to three packs, or rather, you get the opportunity to buy up to three packs if you are in that first queue, which again, you need that 3,000 collector score for. Kind of funny little wrinkle, in that first queue, there are 90,000 packs, but so far, about 34,000 collectors have qualified for it, meaning that if every single collector buys three packs, there are going to be about 4,000 collectors who have a 3,000 collector score who will not actually get packs in that queue. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. I'm not sure if that's what Top Shot have planned. Also, an added little layer there, there are 39,000 collectors with a 2,500 collector score, meaning there are 39,000 people that are just 500 collector score points away from qualifying for that first queue where you can buy multiple packs. So that's kind of an interesting thing. All that data is from Live Token as well, by the way, if you want to check that out, Live Token, uh, I think, on Twitter, and they also have a great Discord that you can check out all that sweet data if you you want to look at that type of stuff. I know that the three packs per collector or potential three packs per collector has been very contentious around the top shot circles in the last little bit, as some people are not sure as to whether that should be allowed. Some people saying that, you know, it highly rewards the top collectors, but I actually think, and I don't say this just because I have a high collector score, I do think that this actually works really well. It's something the community has been asking for for a while. And I also think, honestly, it's the only way top shot can kind of survive long-term. For a long time, we've looked at Top Shot and Top Shot's looked at itself as something that has to be this even playing field for everybody involved. But at the same time, Top Shot has been signaling to us for months that collector score would matter and that we needed to boost our collector score and that people with higher collector scores would get better chances at packs and challenges and drops and all that kind of stuff. So this to me is kind of the evolution of that. Obviously, everything that Top Shot does still is very much an experiment, but I personally am very much on the side of letting people buy multiple packs, even if it comes at the expense of people with lower collector scores not being able to buy packs, mainly because people with higher collector scores are likely those who want to spend. They, they clearly have demonstrated that they have money to spend, that they want to spend it on Top Shot. And if you look at how many packs and sets and all that kind of stuff are coming in Series 3, we're going to need to let those people buy. And I don't just mean myself. Again, I don't mean to sound elitist. And if you have a, a low collector score, something well below $3,000, then hopefully there will be more drops where you can get in on a lot of packs. I do hope that. But overall, long term, I think that this is a good move and at least very good for Top Shot to start experimenting with it. Outside of Top Shot, some interesting stuff coming up from NFL slash Dapper, although actually, well, interesting stuff. Just a tweet yesterday, so not, not nothing to get too, too crazy about, but they did release on Twitter yesterday the tier sizes. What's been funny about NFL Dapper is that they've actually been kind of teasing us with these little bits of info, like one tweet per week about like what's coming, which is kind of funny, without really giving us too much context or, or too much more knowledge. Anyways, the info released is that commons will be 10,000 plus mint count, rares will be 499 to 2000 mint count, and legendaries will be 100 or 
less. Please, NFL Dapper, give us more info than that. We are dying to get it. We're getting to like the halfway point of the NFL season, so we do need to know what is going on. Last but not least, the candy drop was yesterday for the MLB icons and and new NFTs that we've been promoting as part of the first mint. That drop went kind of interesting. It was the public drop. Monday was the early access drop. I got a couple packs and yesterday was the public drop. We hosted a little Twitter spaces with George Reister and Phil D. We all tried to get packs. Both myself and Phil D were able to get one. George Reister was not able to pay mainly because candy had some payment provider issues as well. Some general queue issues. They are in They have stressed that many times, but I know it left many potential collectors quite frustrated also because some people were able to get multiple packs. As a result, Candy has now reduced the limit for packs for collectors to one per person in anticipation of tomorrow's uncut diamonds drop, which is the rookies from this past year. If you want in on that drop, one o'clock Eastern is for the early access people who were in the Discord prior to a certain date. I think it was October 8th. And then three o'clock Eastern is the public sale. And I think I said one o'clock Eastern there. For, so it's one o'clock Eastern early access, three o'clock Eastern public sale. Next up, we got the interview with Mr. Kylo Ren. Like I said in the intro, he is an absolute legend around these parts. We did a great podcast episode months ago about keeping packs unopened on Top Shot Lo and behold, he does reveal to me on the episode that he still has them open. Kylo Ren, obviously not his real name. He lives all the way in India and that is his pseudonym. Since we last spoke, he has been up to some really cool stuff uh, working on ApeDAO, which is basically a DAO, Decentralist Autonomous Organization, which is very popular right now in the NFT world, which is basically a community of people making decisions together around you know a big uh, group of assets that they all own. What Kylo did months back is he took 50 of his board apes. He had 50 board apes. And keep in mind, this is before board apes were worth like 50 either, whatever they're at now. This is a long time ago. He took 50 of those. He put them into like a DAO structure and he sold tokens, sold essentially um, pieces of that collection to people who wanted in. And since then, a lot of people have gotten in to start contributing to the DAO as well as they've started to mint new NFTs from their DAO that are kind of these board Ape derivatives. Because if you own the board Ape, obviously you're allowed to do that. Either way, just full disclosure that I do own some of the Ape DAO tokens as well as some of the Ape DAO assets. And then the first mint, we've got a big group of people who are also big enthusiasts of the project. So I just want to throw that caveat out there. So keep that in mind as you listen to my excellent interview with Kylo Ren. Ladies and gentlemen of the First Mint, we have a repeat guest back for another absolute banger of a podcast. The first time this guy came on, people went absolutely nuts because I never thought we'd be hearing from a Top Shot collector on the other side of the world. But he's back today. Kylo Ren joining us direct from India. Sir, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. And great to be here again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad we could link up for it because it's always kind of funny trying to trying to chat when it's like morning for me or evening for you. I think last time we uh, we had the crickets going full blast on your end. Yeah, this time I ensured I have a good Wi-Fi connection in my room, so we don't hear the crickets this time. <laughs> Dude, it was good last time. I'm not complaining. Last time it was like I think people really enjoyed that. A lot of people said it was like really nice and peaceful because that came at a at a really chaotic time in Top Shot. Yeah, for sure. Last time, I I do have to ask you, before we talk about like DAOs and everything about NFTs, last time we talked about unopened Top Shot packs. Do you still have, 
I think it was like 55 or something like that. Do you still have like 50 something unopened top shot packs? Yes, uh, I still have, I think, exactly the same number that we spoke about. There's a bunch <laughs> of packs I got after that, but it was, you know, a few and far between because of the new drop mechanisms and stuff. So mostly end up opening this, the stuff that I get now. But uh, the ones we spoke about then, I still have all of those. No, man. Nice. Very good. Yeah, I've held on to all of my like series one and early series two packs as well. So I'm in the same boat. Not sure what's going to happen. And and I have you been getting in on all the drops, all the recent drops, Kyla? I try to. Uh, I got a RIB recently and I got an Allen Iverson. So super happy about that. Oh, you did. Oh, nice. <laughs> good for you, man. Look at that. Look at that, people. This guy you know, is is running a DAO, busy doing all this other crypto stuff, doing all this life stuff. And he still has time to show up, you know, hang out with us, chat on the podcast, but also show up and, and get some top shot drops. So that's awesome. And man. Wait, in, wait in the queue, wait in the queue. And wait in the shot. queue, wait in the queue, just like everybody else. That's right. <laughs> um, I love it. What's uh, since we last spoke, Kylo, I think it was like literally at the end of February that we chatted and, and so much has changed in the world of NFTs and crypto, but um, what's going on with you? I will chat about Ape Down in a minute, but um, overall, like, what, what's changed in your life in the NFT side, um, life life side? What's going on? Um, well, the big life update is uh, just had a baby, our first uh, kid. Oh, that was yeah. on first of August, so yeah. that's some big news uh, from my side. So, as you can imagine, that's been taking up uh, quite a bit of my time. I don't know how you manage, man. I don't have any ch children and <laughs> I could barely keep it together doing this crypto stuff. So I don't know how you do that and everything else you do. It's been super crazy, uh, you know, managing a, a normal day job and this crypto stuff, which is mostly happening at nighttime, my time, because still most of the activity is like uh, US time. But yeah, just managing with barely any sleep, I guess. Yeah, that's okay. I feel like that's the crypto way anyways. If you've been in NFTs crypto for a while, you're, you're probably used to it, so... Probably fits right in. What's uh, what's been going on in on your side of the NFT world since we last spoke? I mean, so much has changed, and so many people have gotten used to it. But what have you? Has your have you started to collect new stuff? Have you kind of relaxed, focused on DAOs? What's new? So, I mean, I think we spoke when you know just the all time high, so to speak, of Top Shot was happening, and then it all came down for whatever reasons, and then it's now back up to those levels of it was, I guess, in January uh, types thing and becoming more stable as we go on. Um, but since then, obviously, uh, when Topshot was kind of going through a lull, uh, spent more time minting NFTs like, uh, you know, everyone else did. And Apes was a big part of that. I know we'll talk about that. But other than Apes also, like there was just a massive boom of 10K collectibles and everybody was chasing the next flip. And uh, everybody falls through that. I tried not to, but I minted all kinds of stuff and some of it didn't work out. Some of it did really well. So that's what I was into until Artblocks came along. I mean, I minted quite a bit of Artblocks as well when it came out, uh, just the initial few squiggles and stuff. But then it all kind of fell by the wayside when I started focusing more on Top Shot. But then since, uh, you know, the, the rise of the Fidenzas and the Ringers, I started uh, paying more attention to it. And recently, just in the last month, I've gotten more into generative art because I think that could be the next big wave in terms of... Because this kind of art can't really be replicated physically. And that's what makes it unique to the crypto space. 
So I feel that could be the next big thing. So investing in artists who are not really on art blocks yet, like they've not really made it made it yet, but could could be there um, eventually is what I've been trying to do, maybe in investing on foundation and also on uh, Tezos, which is the uh, marketplace, um, the uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, H-E-N marketplace. Uh, been you know spending some time on it. It's cheaper to collect than than Ethereum. Uh, low gas fees as well. And eventually, I feel like someone will come up with a platform that you know merges. You can see all the art in one place already. You can see stuff on OpenSea, uh, which has uh, you know Matic NFTs and others. Ethereum has a massive premium, maybe rightfully so, but not as much as is justified right now. Is what I believe. So I've been spending some time investing on good artists who are undervalued on on that chain i have had help from like some people for that but yeah that's what i've been doing since then other than abda obviously that's like the large part but yeah, other than that this is what i've been doing have you been have you been rugged by any of the 10k pfp projects yeah if you go to the hidden section of my profile i don't think you can see it on open see that i've been hiding quite a bit of stuff i mean i minted what i minted some whales i minted some polymorphs i still think something could come off it but they, they look freaking ugly and i knew it and i didn't want to mint them and i still <laughs> fell into the fomo and minted them and i don't know what else i minted quite a bit of other stuff like some aliens and you know the list is endless but yeah apes did very well so that covers that covers most of it man you've been around in the nft space for a while like did you ever think especially like when we last spoke and it was like okay top shot you know is coming about and it's and it's an institutional product it's got the nba behind it so that kind of made sense for it to be booming but did you did you ever think that then everybody would pivot away from that and the whole industry would kind of shift to this like 10k pfp like explosion like what like for you somebody who's been around for a long time like what 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 was what's your opinion there like what what, what was going through your head when that when that was happening and there was like every day there, and even now still there's tons of drops but they're not nearly as hot but back then where people were just buying everything i mean it was unbelievable it was First of all, Top Shot itself, the rise from December to February, that was really fast, massive. And then, uh, you know, a lot of us, we, we know because we were in Top Shot, so like that entire crowd kind of shifted to, uh, you know, went deeper into the rabbit hole of MetaMask and Ethereum NFTs. And then the apes came along and that started off this boom, but no way in hell did I expect it to happen this fast. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, a shift, I think, that helped everyone in the NFT space, uh, to be honest. Uh, I think it was first top shot and then Punk's, uh, you know, one of their cycles started and then the apes came along. And even the, even after apes went from like 0 0.08 mint to up to 0 0.3, 0 0.5, I was like, you know, this is just temporary. Everyone's going to move back to, you know, move back the money into Punk's. Uh, this can't be sustainable kind of thing. And even after I started the DAO, I, I still thought, okay, I don't know how long. Maybe we need to use this money to get some more punks and other blue chips. But then, you know, things started going really crazy after that. And now, obviously, apes are blue chips as well. And we're strong believers in that. 
and a big big uh, way it goes to the team for doing something different you know in the space and how they've developed and rewarded the holders and communities and that's kind of what has become the mantra so to speak reward your collectors in various different ways and form a community for like long term so that's something i really admire and uh, you know really happy about what has happened but at the time it was really unbelievable mm-hmm. i feel the same way i couldn't believe it at first with the apes like there's literally if you go back to the early may there's a podcast where i talk about how everybody is buying these ape things as though i'm just like some boomer who doesn't understand it <laughs> <laughs> and now the jokes on me um did you did you think people could learn like the Ethereum, like non-custodial ecosystem that quickly? I mean, once you get into NFTs uh, and you just go deeper and deeper, I think it's part of the learning process, right? And if if you are already here, then then you are part of that 0.001% uh, who would be interested to learn more because you got to be crazy enough, first of all, to buy an NFT. It's a crazy concept, but once you get it, you really get it and then there's no stopping you in terms of learning new things. So, uh, I mean, I obviously didn't think it was going to be this fast, um, but we've come to kind of an inflection point where uh, people will come up with tools to make it easier. I mean, Top Shot is what made it easier, right? You could get on-ramp with Fiat and you didn't really need to know the Flow blockchain which was running underneath the product. And that is what exposed the people. And that's what helped people to understand the idea of NFTs. And after that, it becomes much simpler going forward. So uh, I think, and obviously now it's become worldwide. I think uh, people have heard about NFTs, right? All these massive sales and massive gains or whatnot. Uh, So I think people still skeptical about the concept itself. But once you get the concept, I think uh, then then you're into it. Absolutely. Do you think, right before, we're going to talk about DAOs in just a second, but do you think that like these big flashy sales and stuff, is that healthy for kind of like the larger public perception of NFTs? You know what they say, right? Any kind of marketing is good marketing. A lot of people also say that this could be wash trading or whatever, but um, big money uh, brings eyeballs. Eyeballs bring more people for whatever reason. I mean, they could be coming here to flip and they get converted into becoming holders. That's what we want. And that's what happens to a lot of people, actually. You you come here to flip and you end up falling in love with the art, with the community, and you end up staying. So uh, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Uh, a lot of it in a lot of projects could be done just to you know bring the hype and uh, bring people and then becomes kind of self-fulfilling prophecy because a lot of people then get involved and it becomes sustainable. But um, overall, I don't think it's a bad thing. Okay. Yeah, I agree. You're right. Yeah, it needs it needs a bit of this kind of news. And I guess for a while, too, most of crypto was this type of news as well, right? Like big, yeah, big and numbers, Yeah, I mean, these hacks. large sales over time uh, could, could become even larger, right? And, and the people who are spending this big money uh, end up buying assets, what we think are at crazy prices right now. But who knows, 10, 15 years down the line, there's very few people who think long term. And those who do do think and have the ability to hold through that uh, may be in for some big returns as it's like, a, uh, like I said, an inflection point in time in terms of what is happening right now. 
Sorry, I got you off in the middle. You were talking about. Oh, time. no, it's okay, man. It's okay. I mean, you're saying 10 to 15 years, and I feel like what you really mean is 10 to 15 months. And who knows, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so much right. has happened. Like I said, like the last time we spoke was like seven months ago. And I don't know how much punks were going for then, but it definitely wasn't, you know, 100 ETH or whatever they're at now. It was a lot, it was a lot less. Yeah, it was below 10 ETH at the time, I think. Wow. That's just so crazy. And, you know, actually, I remember, Kylo, because I, I joined ApeDAO. This is a good transition, but I joined ApeDAO. Like, the night you launched, like, I was I was up late, and I saw you put it out, and I messaged you, and I was like, what's going on with this? And I, and I bought some. And yeah. I remember, you know, hanging in the Discord, and it was, like, near the end of July, and you posted about how you were looking at, you know, ApeDAO was going to buy a punk because you felt like they were low. And NFTs were in this lull right before taking off like at the start of August. And I remember I looked at the floor on punks and it was like 19 ETH. And I messaged, I messaged quad uh, quadzilla on our end. And I was like, you know, I should get a punk. Like I should just liquidate like everything I have and just try and put all on this punk. And it, I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. And, and, and I was just okay. like, and I just remember being like, all right, well, I'm just going to listen to Kylo from now on and just do whatever he says, something like that. I'm just going to just immediately, uh, you know, kind of jump on it. So I'm definitely going to listen to some of your advice about, or not advice, but just your, you're saying about the generative art and stuff like that, because you totally nailed that prediction about the punks taking off and everything taking off. Yeah, honestly, I mean, uh, it, it's it looks great in hindsight, and we were discussing this to buy one. Uh, we already have one in the DAO, but wanted to buy another one for around 25 ETH, and that was a good one, and it got sniped um, that day by someone else. And then just we never got back to it because we didn't find a good enough punk to near floor to invest in. Obviously, we invested in a whole bunch of other things, and if you were anywhere close to investing in any of the, you know, sort of potential blue chip projects like Cool Cats or Gara Cats, whatever, you would have done pretty much well for yourself. So I can't really say that's my alpha that I gave away. But um, yeah, if you actually followed my Twitter account, a couple of other things that I got really right was uh, NFTs on blockchains other than Ethereum. Again, I'm coming back to this point, but I minted some Space Buds, which was on Cardano. They're like the first 10K project on oh, Cardano. I know. And I was posting about those. And I think th those, were, again, were like super cheap compared to Ethereum NFTs. Just minted some of them. Didn't go back to them until like uh, recently I checked what they're worth. And like the floor for Space Buds is like 3,000 uh, Cardano. And it was, mint was 30. So that's 100x. And same with uh, these generative NFTs, first generative NFTs on Solana, which was uh, Fracts. And the Fracts, to be honest, uh, a lot of them look quite similar to each other. So the art was not that great, but it was fun to mint and it was super cheap and uh, went in on it. And now they've kind of formed a community around it with like, uh, you know, people earning uh, passive tokens and that giving you access to future drops and all of that. And that's made it valuable, including like staking and earning uh, passive income and stuff. So that makes the supply uh, less in the market. So yeah, we'll talk about all these uh, crazy mechanisms that people are coming up with. But my point being that it, it was rewarding uh, kind of investing in other blockchains and early projects on other blockchains. How do you, I mean, obviously now people are just going to follow you if they don't already, but how do you, 
how do you identify those types of opportunities, Kylo? Like you must have some kind of like, like rule-based system that helps you gravitate towards certain projects or, or projects on other chains. Mm, it could be a bunch of things. There's no particular rule book uh, that I go by, but first of all, I have to like the art. Like it has to be at least a little bit appealing. If I don't like it, uh, I usually don't. And I say usually because I sometimes mint uh, stuff because I fall into FOMO. But otherwise, I I only get into something that if I know the artist and the team behind it are genuine and they you know seem like they want to stay here for the long term and build. And that's one of the most important things that people, I guess, have now realized over time that investing in celebrity cash cash grabs or like uh, team members who don't really have any history and are just trying to, you know, probably take your money and run is not the best idea. At least people who have something to lose, you know, their name, their whatever trust they've earned over a period of time, who've been in the crypto community and who are actively contributing towards it is something that you should be looking for. And not to blow my own trumpet or anything, but uh, say, for example, a project by Abe Dow, uh, who's earning from it, right? So when we sold these Abe Dow remixes, um, the the funds are going back to Abe Dow, which is a collective of 700 plus people who own the Abe token, who are active members of the crypto community. So it's not going to any single person or any, uh, you know, three or four uh, people who built the pro- uh, project, but it's going back. And the idea of DAO is investing back into NFTs. And that's the entire premise of the DAO. So the, the money is actually going back into the system, 100%. Okay, so the idea, I'm not saying that you should be investing just in us, but like look for such opportunities where you're seeing that people are investing back into the system and really trying to build something uh, for the long-term, kind of have a long-term vision. Obviously, it's not, it's easier said than done because a lot of these projects are like minting so fast that you literally have five minutes to do your due diligence to decide whether or not you're going to ape in or not. So it kind of then just go, go goes down to like gut feeling, you know, check the Discord, check their Twitter, what they're up to, who are the other people who are um, buying into it. And sometimes I feel, I mean, this is a sad fact, um, and everybody does it, including myself, is you shill your own bags and you shill in the projects that you're into. And a lot of influencers do this, and to the sometimes to the detriment of their community. But if you really believe in something, there's a fine line, right? If you really believe in something, you want your followers and your community to also gain from it. So obviously, you're going to talk about it. But there's a fine line between doing that and you know doing something just to pump pump it and then, you know, get out of it as soon as you can. Because uh, NFTs then started becoming a lot more like just altcoins or shitcoins, which you can pump quickly and get out of. And there's something that happened with, if I remember correctly, Pudgy Penguins and a few other projects, which were just there to like, you know, pump and dump by some people, which is unfortunate. And, you know, new people coming in have only a bunch of people to follow uh, who have been, uh, you know, in the community for some time. It's up to all of us to use that uh, following, um, you know, in the right way. That's what I think. Full disclosure, I own some ApeDAO. And I'm not doing this podcast to pump it. 
It's a cool project. Though. <laughs> highly, highly recommend it. <laughs> um, but no, we, we were having this uh, conversation because I do want to talk about the project with you and you were to give us a little introduction to it. But also, I think right now is a great time to just chat about the current the current state of these NFT DAOs, right? Because Kylo, when you were when you launched ApeDAO, um, you know, I saw that pop up. I think it was, what was it, in May, June? Sometime around then. Yeah, June. June. It was in yeah. June, and I thought, hey, that's a really cool idea. You started by taking 50 of your board apes and pretty much fractionalizing them into, into you know, uh, tokens that we could we could grab on Niftex. And that, to me, was something I was like, okay, nobody's really, I haven't seen too many examples of that. I know Kylo. I trust him. Uh, apes were on the rise, and they were still, how much were apes back then? Like two ETH, one ETH? Not even that much. No, less than less than one ETH actually. Uh, when so the time between when I fractionalized it on Niftex, and I think there is a seven day window before, like if it if it doesn't sell out, then I, I get back my assets and people get back their ETH. Uh, in that week itself, the the floor went two X, and so the value immediately became apparent to everyone who was you know kind kind of buying the shards, and there was no way I could take it back. Uh, once I had already sharded it, I had to wait for the seven days, and then it sold out pretty quickly. So it was, uh, you know, apes were rising just at that time. That's right. So you were one of the first to do it, or at least in my eyes, I'm sure it'd been done in some way before, but at least you were, you were doing it with a new current project. And fast forward to now, we've got, you know, I feel like every day there's a new project coming out of, hey, buy these NFTs, what we're minting. And what we're going to do as a team is then use that ETH to go buy a bunch of really expensive NFTs and fractionalize them into this DAO. What, be, before we dive, I want to dive into ApeDAO specifically, because uh, I love the timeline and roadmap and everything that you've got. But before we get into that, like what, what are your thoughts on like the current state of that concept? Um. Yeah, we had uh, part of the discussion in the ApeDAO Discord as well about what's happening in the space. Um, I don't want to comment too much without knowing what is the intentions of the people behind these projects. But from the outside, what I can see is the people who are investing are kind of um, investing directly into something that is going to be negative EV, at least at the start. So people got to do their own research before doing that. And I'll tell you why, because say you're buying uh, these group of 10K NFTs and you generate uh, 100 ETH, you know, just a number. Uh, percentage is taken by the founders for running the DAO, I'm guessing. Uh, I think this is what, what someone mentioned, uh, if that is true. And uh, the rest of it is invested into NFTs uh, together and people get tokens, not immediately, but like they have to stake their NFTs or whatever, and they get tokens, fractionalized tokens over time. So they don't even, you don't even get it immediately that you can realize value for, but you have to wait like months or probably years to realize the actual value of these NFTs that the DAO is invested in. So that sounds like a really shitty deal to me. Like I wouldn't invest in something like that because if I really wanted to get into a fractionized pool, there's like NFTX or even ApeDAO for that matter, we have, uh, you know, an already um, big pool of assets, which is quite diversified into, uh, Apes is a large part of it, but we also have punks, we have art blocks and 
a whole bunch of other stuff. But what you buy is what you get. You get when you buy ape tokens, you're getting fractionalized tokens of the existing vault, and uh, you're not getting anything less, uh, or you're not being promised something in the future. So I did it the other way around, where I fractionalized my existing NFTs. What um, is happening right now is they're raising funds first, which is how most DAOs come together. Actually, they raise funds first and then they invest into NFTs. And obviously, there's a running cost involved. The question is, you have to do your own research on how much is that cost that the founders are taking um, on for, for running this DAO. And that could make a big difference in whether you're investing in the right project or not. Obviously, a lot of these could become successful eventually if the community comes together and, and finds a way to build value like we have. And this was something totally unexpected for me as well for, for ApeDAO. Um, the idea was uh, to become one of the largest uh, NFT investment DAOs ever. And there, and we were not the first. There's Flamingo, there's uh, Fingerprints, and there were a few others, I guess. But I'm sure we must be probably one of the first 10 or maybe even 15 to, to do this kind of thing um, back when we did it. And right now, there are a lot of uh, you know communities coming together, investing together. I mean... That's good for the system because they can buy, you know, larger assets that they wouldn't be able to buy in person. But are you really getting the best ROI for your money is something that everybody has to do their own research on. And the second question that comes around uh, quite a bit is, are these securities and what does it mean from the legal uh, point of view? And to that, um, my answer is, uh, again, everybody, depending on which jurisdiction they, they are in, they need to do their own research because I read a report um, when the first the DAO was formed quite a while back, a few years back, and the SEC did some research into it. And it was, you know, mostly classified as a security because uh, eventually you do end up investing in somebody who you expect to do actions for you, which is going to increase the value of your investment. And now that securities law is in place so that small investors don't get scammed, right? And that is why I say that everybody has to do their own research. But uh, like for, for us, ApeDAO, for example, we are not really a registered uh, organization or entity in any given um, government or, or um, country. We live in the metaverse. We are crypto native and we are, we are ruled by only the code. And everybody and anybody who's making, um, you know, profits uh, from buying and selling the tokens have to report taxes uh, by themselves if, if they are liable to report those taxes and figure out how to do that. And that's true of pretty much any NFT that you buy and sell, any crypto that you buy and sell. So that's that's my response to that. Obviously, more clarity will come going forward as more and more laws and regulations come around it. But until then, uh, we have to build this ourselves, and uh, we can't stop for that. That's a fantastic answer. <laughs> it's a great transition into in, into ApeDAO, actually. I mean, tell us a little bit about where ApeDAO is at right now. Because you kicked off in, in June, and, I mean, you've grown so much since. You've got, like, a huge team now, or at least a, a much bigger team. Like, where are you at in the ApeDAO timeline? Okay, so we started off with a 148th valuation of the bundle that we had at the time. Like you said, it was 49 apes and one crypto punk. 
And today we are at maybe around 6,000 Ethereum of value in terms of all the assets that the DAO owns, including the Ethereum that is in the treasury. So it has been a crazy and insane ride, uh, obviously. And, uh, you know, this has been obviously possible a lot because of apes going from 1 to 48th floor, uh, for example. But in that time, we also invested in a lot of uh, NFTs, which have done well, for example, art blocks and other stuff. And the thing that I'm most excited about is not just uh, the assets of the DAO, which we've, you know, together as a community voted on, decided on investing in, but the possibilities of generating passive income for, for the DAO treasury itself, because that kind of makes it sustainable, right? Otherwise, you have a certain amount of ETH, you invest it, and then you just sit on it and wait for the value to go up. That's not what we want to do, or we want to do something much more than that. And that was my idea also in the beginning, but the way it has happened now is the DAO has kind of become this own kind of living entity, which is run by its members which, and, and not only driven by me, which was in the beginning, but many members in the DAO have decided by their own volition to take leadership into making projects, uh, which will be beneficial to all the members. And not only projects like doing activities, stuff like moderation and stuff like uh, kind of uh, making an Excel sheet of uh, all the assets that we own or making tools like bots for the DAO Discord. And all of this is being done by um, members who are holding uh, dollar aped. Uh, although, uh, you know, eventually this is and already is being uh, paid out of a remuneration committee. Uh, a lot of it is also voluntary and people are, you know, giving their time to something that otherwise would have costed a lot more for the DAO to, you know, outsource. Um, so that is something that I'm really, really happy about. For example, the current project that we have, which is Ape DAO Remix, where we did derivatives of our uh, uh, 81 apes that we own now uh, and got a whole bunch of artists together. I think I mentioned this in the last uh, panel I was on that I've been interacting with the, uh, you know, the members who are working with this. And it's not my team, so to speak, like uh, Tim, who is heading the, the ApeDAO remix, uh, came up with this idea himself. And then together, along with uh, Chris, who's the lead developer, and uh, Nino, who's uh, artist relations, together we kind of got a bunch of artists together and uh, uh, created this project for the DAO and, you know, it's been a massive success to say the least. And now we have a community that we want to keep building on and keep uh, giving uh, value back to. And what this does is it, it, it helps us to not dilute um, the token uh, for any further um, raising of funds. Funds can come directly from these projects that we do and it adds to the treasury. And the craziest part is um, the token is still trading to uh, trading to a discount to the asset value of the DAO. So, like if today you're going into this uh, 10k PFP DAO project and you're you know investing your money into something in a negative EV, uh, you should take a look at Ape DAO and look at their assets and maybe invest your money there when when it's already trading at a discount to the NAV instead of buying uh, say punks or a or a Fidenza at market value, you're getting it to buy it at a discount to the market value. So why not go into that, right? So that's something that people obviously have to do their own research 
uh, we had some issues where there was not enough liquidity and we added that uh, recently uh, to Uniswap. So I think that uh, issue will be sorted uh, with time. But we, we are actually building for the long term, right? So we're not really, at least most of the DAO members who have been uh, there from the start are not worried about the price because if the price is down, it means it's an opportunity to buy. And uh, long term, we are very happy that we're holding very solid assets that can generate a lot of income uh, for DAO in the future. So that's what we're really optimistic about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the kind of project right now, Kylo, that people are looking for. And again, not to just like pump the shit out of Ape Dow, um, which is mainly what this podcast is doing anyways, though. But um, I feel like now it's like, yeah, like people, you know, the rat race of 10K PFPs and all that stuff from the last six months, like that was fun. Right. And whether some of them were rugs or some of them were apes or whatever they were, like that's been fun. But now it's like I feel like a lot of people just don't really care, you know, when there's like, I don't know, tall giraffe society is minting or something like that. I don't know, just whatever other random like animal thing uh, that's literally just like a apes like contract clone really um, for a lot of these like people. I think I think even if they could do some quick flips here and there, I think people are getting tired of that. And kind of, you know, not necessarily tired of NFTs, but looking for some better longer term investments or bets, right? That come that come with an established community with established leaders. Yeah, I mean, the true investment uh, when people realize that when they're experiencing their first uh, super cycle of crypto pumping is that which projects will still retain value even when crypto is pumping and we go through our first winter of uh, uh, this kind of phase that we're in. And that's why, uh, like you rightly said, uh, people will be looking at projects that are building continuously and adding value uh, rather than just pumping out, uh, you know, uh, PFP projects one after the other. So people will obviously gravitate towards this and, uh, you know, solid assets. And we're really in the infancy of what NFTs can really be. And I'm sure a lot of people will come up with novel and innovative ways to do uh, things. For example, Park did his uh, poets, uh, poets Drop, and that has some really uh, insane mechanics and uh, economics to make sure that people are holding it. They, they release the traits over time. Uh, they're dropping the, the genesis or whatever poets to, to holders. And then there are other NFTs which are deflationary because they can be burned for his native token. Uh, Stuff like that. Obviously, innovation is happening at a very rapid pace and we'll see more and more of it. And people will gravitate towards either something that is completely new or completely crazy, which has not been done before. Uh, Like you saw with the loot project, right? And that was something not, you know, building from the bottom up. I don't know how that's doing now, but like at the time it was, uh, you know, doing really well. So people are really looking for novelty, something new. And uh, I think Ibdao is in a good position to do that because we have some strong assets. And I don't think anybody has uh, made or made use of the commercial license given by the Bodeb Yacht Club as much as Dow has by using their 81 apes. And we plan to, to, to do that even more with the, with the legends and creating, uh, you know, collectible card series and more derivative of, of our apes from some of the most well-known artists. 
and also then moving into art drops which are not related to apes which are you know fine art and uh, so super excited about all these uh, possibilities and what we can do and you're right uh, people will be looking forward to investing their money where it can at least uh, stay or earn more uh, as time goes by do you think that uh, something i've been thinking about is how like what is the end of a DAO, or does a DAO end i mean to all answers regarding what the DAO can will be or should be uh, i always say it's all up to the members right and and we vote on every single thing so if the DAO members decide to end it they can end it and what what, what that would mean is you sell off all the assets and distribute the funds um, but i i see it as unlikely it, it happening anytime close to in the future. Uh, Niftex uh, platform allowed people to bid on a, on the on the DAO bundle. If uh, somebody bids a crazy offer, the DAO members can decide to accept it and then uh, you know all the NFTs get transferred to the new owner. And uh, that that always is a possibility. For example, any vaults which are there on fractional as well uh, have this ability. Um, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. First of all, any single person being able to afford uh, the DAO's vault currently would have to be a massive whale. But there, there could be in the future. There's no denying that. But when will will the DAO members really vote to to sell the NFTs if they're really bullish about them? That's a question. I mean, it's to be answered with time. I see it as just like growing with time and there's no need to close it because if you're really not uh, bullish about the DAO, you can always sell your tokens and that's you exiting, uh, you know, your investment. So there's really no need for, for it to close down unless all the members get like a crazy offer from someone. Absolutely. Tell me what it's been like to work with your international team all over the place. Uh, it's been amazing. Like I said, I was just uh, really happy to see uh, people other than myself taking so much interest into making proposals for the DAO, not only to buy NFTs, but to like work on and create entire new values. So this this entire new Abe DAO Remix project, like I said, has been headed by um, someone other than myself. My involvement in, in the project or in making of the project was probably only 10%. Everything else has been done by other DAO members. So I was super happy about that. And obviously, these are people who are based in all parts of the world. And I'm meeting new people every day. And talented people who have all the skills that I don't have. For example, uh, devs which are so good at solidity, I have no idea how to, you know, anything, how any of that works in the background. But obviously, that's core to uh, any building anything new in, in Ethereum. So super happy to have like a community of, uh, uh, you know, these individuals who are excited about the DAO and want to push it forward every day. Yeah. Awesome, man. That sounds super fun. I can relate. You know, it's been, it's been quite the year to getting to know so many people all over the world. And um, even at the first mint, working with a lot of people, you know, based a bit everywhere. So it's great. It's, it's, I, I could never imagine another way to bring together so much talent and different people and have them all working towards a common goal. People I would have never met otherwise, right? Yeah, exactly. We're also working on making a new website for ApeDAO. I was just mentioning that. And a bunch of the new people who came in in the recent fundraise 
are getting involved into making that and that's being done by again uh, probably 10 people who only met each other on AIMDAO and now are working towards making that website. So yeah, uh, always new projects going on. Very cool. Very cool. Last question for you, Kylo, something you mentioned maybe about 20 minutes ago, you were talking about crypto super cycles. What is that? And where are we at right now? I mean, we all, we know the stats, right? Um, hardly a, a percentage of population, um, knows about crypto or even if they know about it, um, you know, hardly anybody has invested in it. And uh, we are living inside this kind of um, environment or uh, world, so to speak. And we have been trading in Ethereum like it's real money, right? Like we trade with it every day and, you know, that gives us real tangible value. For someone on the outside, it's just a magic internet token, which is speculative bubble. But we know that we are trading with this every day. And uh, this is an investment advice I, I heard quite a while back, is invest in something that you know works. And you don't have to go out of your way into, to invest in 10, 20 different stocks. If you're in an industry, you already have an advantage of being an insider. And this is kind of having like an insider knowledge that the outside world doesn't. Until they know what are NFTs, by the time they figure it out, you already know the kind of value transfer that is happening uh, in terms of exchanging NFTs and Ethereum and other tokens every single day. And that that is what gives it value. By the time the world figures it out, uh, you know, it will already be uh, too late in the, in the sense uh, the value would have reached somewhere else. So you're you're in a place of privilege in terms of the information related to crypto because you know the value it can bring is not only speculative not only a store of value but uh you know bringing decentralizing art decentralizing communities uh you know bringing together people creating something new and uh and we all believe in it together and that that's all the conviction that i need uh, that today I can, you know, send one Ethereum to someone and it would really uh, be valuable. And that's what makes it valuable. So we're in that part where so many new people are being onboarded. And every day there's a new sign in terms of you saw the number of people who are getting onboarded onto the Coinbase's uh, new NFT platform, um, stuff like that. So every day there's new signs and it's just a matter of time when there's uh, more and more adoption. And uh, when there's limited supply and more adoption, you know what happens. So I believe this is just one of the cycles and I'm bullish on crypto long term. The question is then which NFTs that you invest in will outperform the crypto super cycle. Um, that's where uh, the real alpha lies. Well, let's hope it's ApeDale. <laughs> let's hope so. <laughs> right on. Well, Kylo, thank you so much for making time, man. It's great to talk to you again. Thank you so much. See you around in the ApeDAO Discord. And that is going to do it for us today, folks. Thank you for listening. And we will see you tomorrow night for the first Mint Live. That's right. We're back. Myself, the real filthy and guests coming to you live at five o'clock Pacific, just hours after the archive set drop. So make sure you tune in on the first Mint. <laughs>